Well, Darwin's despair or David's delight is the question. Before we get there uh, to David's delight, I want to spend uh, a considerable amount of time uh, looking at Darwin and considering these things. Now, just a word up front. Um, this is not the sermon where I go after debunking evolution, okay? If you have a Bible, done, right? Problem solved. That, that Bible answers those questions um, clearly and uh, officially. What I would say, though, is this sermon I have in, in kind of the target point, the outcome of these teachings. I want to consider the implications and, uh, and, and the consequences, as it were, of embracing a, a secular evolutionistic mindset and all of the, the, the negative, horrible things that would, would follow. And then the opposite of that, then, with King David and a biblical worldview um, with the Lord and his word. So that's where we're going to go. Let me set it up here with two questions, two big questions. You'll see on your sermon notes that we're asking two big questions. I want to ask these of both Darwin and David today. Okay, the first uh, couple questions we've got here, who am I? Why do I exist? Who am I? Why do I exist? We are self-aware creatures. We are human beings that have been created in the image of God. So we ask questions like this. Your cat does not, right? Your cat does not walk in, sit on the couch next to you and be like, hey, just been pondering things, you know? I'm just curious, who am I? Why do I exist? Your, your cat is not concerned about that. But as people made in God's image, we are self-aware. It means we're, we're aware of things. We think and ponder and use, and, and it's right that we ask questions like this. Where would we go for answers to questions like this? The, the world is asking these questions every day, whether they know it or not. They are being answered in all kinds of ungodly and untrue ways. We want to answer them biblically. So let's start here with the two options, primary options of answer. Um, first, evolution by natural selection. This is Darwin's uh, proposal uh, for an answer. And uh, I would suggest, as we're going to be seeing, uh, the second is far better. Creation by a personal and glorious God. Now, I'm not just saying evolution and creation, all right? They're, obviously, those things are contrasting. I'm saying that creation by a personal, knowing, uh, knowable, a God of relationship and a God of all glory. God, God did not just wind things up, kick the ball out into space and walk away. We're, we're not deists here. We don't believe that God is an impersonal, just out there, uh, he winds up the clock and then, and then walks out the door. No, we are those who know the God of history is the God who is close and active and involved. So we're gonna to get to that in a little bit, but let's spend a little time considering evolution by natural selection. We'll begin with Darwin's rejection. Darwin's rejection, a little bit over, uh, of an overview on Darwin. His father was a doctor, his grandfather was a doctor. His dad was a, an atheist, didn't believe in God. Um, his mom was religious, but in this day, that didn't mean a whole lot either. It was mostly social, cultural. Um, the Anglican Church of England is where he kind of spent time. The problem is, is that that church at that time had already given up on the authority of God's word and the historicity of the early chapters of the Bible, at least, if, if not beyond. So Darwin really didn't have a lot to pull from as far as solid foundation to stand upon. 
Uh, his grandfather was uh, an evolutionist and uh, wrote a bunch of journals which Darwin found later in life and read and was influenced by. So um, don't think that Darwin invented evolution. That existed long before him. He brought suggestions of mechanism to evolution. How did it happen? Well, this was his, his addition to it and it popularized it in a massive way on a grand scale. So Darwin himself rejected the authority and historicity of the Bible he embraced a uniformitarian interpretation of geology. This is significant. When he was looking at, at the geology, he, he looked and he decided at a point along the way, uh, things are what they've always been. He rejected, for instance, the global flood as recorded and, and told by the Lord in Genesis. He, he decided that naturalism is a preferred way to understand history, and so he would look at layers and rocks and sediment and then and then piece back together history. People still do this. That is a grievous error. One of the things it fails to account for is the, the, the Lord who wrote the laws of the land. The, the Lord who wrote the law of, of creation. Um, uh, the laws that govern our earth they are pinned by God himself who is sovereign. He can lift them, he can suspend them, he can break them, he can uphold and sustain them through Christ, right? He is the Lord over the laws that govern our universe. Darwin rejected that idea. One of the greatest turning points for Darwin was the death of his 10-year-old daughter. When Darwin was in his early 40s, his daughter came down with uh, a flu and it turned into a fever. And within 10 days, she died. And it, it just completely shook him to the core. His reaction was anger and unbelief. He could not fathom that a good God, a just God, would allow a world with things like that to experience. And so whatever lingering sense of God he had, it, 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 people look back, historians look back, that was the moment that he said, that's it, I'm done. I'm done completely. Some have even suggested that he was a Christian. I don't think so, not, not in the slightest. I don't see any evidence of any real orthodoxy in his life whatsoever. And uh, we know that it, even if he was, if to turn like this, to turn in such unbelief proves that he wasn't. Um, so this was a major pivotal moment for Darwin. He sought to validate his understanding of, of, of the way things are and answer the question, who am I, why do I exist? by bringing this natural selection concept to the, 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 the belief of evolution. Really, we can see this as survival of the fittest. The Origin of the Species was his book that just went viral and uh, popularized his teaching. He wrote many other things and had influence uh, for many years. Um, that is Darwin, and that is his contribution. And I'll just say this on the outset. It's satanic. What he wrote is straight from the pits of hell. It is satanic, it is poison, it is toxic, and you don't want your kids anywhere near it. It's dangerous stuff. Molecules to man evolution, which is what he wrote and proposed, is a faith-based religion, okay? Now, I <laughs> did a little research on Facebook this week, 
I found a post that was touting um, God as creator and uh, a lot of, it was kind of a out there kind of post and, and a lot of evolutionists were getting riled up. So I just threw in a little comment. Molecules to man evolution is a faith-based religion, right? And then I sat back. And it kind of took off, and, and actually it was wonderful research because a lot of really wound up um, evolutionists came after me. Um, trust the science. What is that? What is that? That's a request for faith. Trust the science. That is a faith, place your faith in the guy wearing the lab jacket who's making a truth claim. Well. That is faith-based. You, I mean, unless you provide clear and decisive evidence for each step of the way, it's faith-based religion. And I say religion because it has its ardent defenders, it has its apologists, it even has its enforcement wing. When, when you're in the scientific world and you say, I believe that God created the world, guess what? You are canceled. You are, you are not given the grants and the scholarships. You are not brought forward at least historically, that's been the case. The trump card for evolution is this, and I, I heard it multiple times on my post, the 80 comments that showed up this past week. With enough time, anything's possible. Okay, so I showed the kids this, this earlier this week. I, I showed them, I brought a Lego creation of Ethan's. It's a really fancy sports car, Lego, right? And I brought the pieces in a cup. And, and then I said, okay guys, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna start shaking the cup, and then you tell me when I'm done, and, and we'll pull the car out of the cup, right? How long do you think I have to shake the cup before it, the car comes together? And they looked, like, looked at me like I was a total moron. This, that's not gonna happen, and they're right. Even kids know that's not how stuff works. Actually, it's quite the opposite. If I shook those Lego parts in that cup for 10 years, what would happen to the Lego pieces? They would crumble. They would, they would fall into to, to tiny little plastic balls. That is entropy. That is what happens. It's the, the universe is not growing in complexity and forming new glorious things. It is, it is going down. It is decreasing. God is the designer, not time and chance. But for molecules to man evolution, this is where the faith must be placed. You just need time, you need more time. You know, when I was younger, it was less time. <laughs> the number has grown as they've discovered more. Now it's up to 16.3 billion years. That's how they're saying how old our universe is, 16.3 billion. By the time I'm 70, it'll be much greater. Hmm. I wanna say this up front though, just because we're saying we don't believe in molecules to man evolution does not mean that there is no change or adaptation, okay? There is change. Obviously, when Adam, or when, when, when Noah and, and uh, his family took the, the animals onto the ark, he didn't take one of every kind of, of dog and every you know, expression of, of, of different animal, they took uh, each of, of its kind or species, right? So the, the, the way things develop over time, there's adaptation and change. No one's denying that. What we are saying is there is not species to species change and jump. We, we didn't come from apes. 
We didn't crawl out of uh, some, some pool as a slime ball and turn into a fish and then grow arms and be like, hey, I think I'll fly. Now we're a bird. Now, that's crazy. It's not what, we're, uh, what we see in history. There's, there's no evidence to show that that's the case. And so molecules to man evolution falls back into its rightful place, a faith-based religion that's wildly popular in our day. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. That's what the Bible says. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Why is he a fool? Because he's lying to himself. Because he knows that's not the case. He's choosing to lie and then believe his own lie. Why do I say that? Well, look at Romans 1. For although they knew God, (laughs) although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. That means there's no honest atheist in the world. There's no true agnostic. Everyone knows that there is a God, there is a creator, that he's glorious and worthy of praise. Everyone on the face of the world throughout all of history. What they don't want to do is give thanks to him, honor him, bend their knee to him, be held accountable by him. So they want to replace him. Claiming to be wise, here comes Darwin, Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of an immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. This is what evolution does. This is, I, I was struck how many times this past week people would, would write you know, angry responses to me on this thing. By the way, I don't, I don't like to argue on Facebook. I just make true statements. And then I just let the Lord use them. I pray that they'll be like a, a little pebble in someone's shoe that they just keep walking on and eventually they have to deal with it, right? It's, it's just a, this is a piece of truth from the word of God. But as people were firing back at me, they would, they would refer to science with a capital S. Have you seen this? I was struck by that. That was fascinating to me. Capital S, science, is not a religion. And I, I wanted to, but I didn't engage. I, I wanted to say, well, well then why did you capitalize the S? It's interesting because rather than worship the one who is worthy, the creator, they have chosen to worship the creation. It's the God of their own making. And really, they make themselves sovereign, which is in all of us, friends. It's in all of us to do this. But for the grace of God, we would be saying things like that ourselves. Ideas have consequences. How would Darwin be forced to answer these two questions? This is what I think you would see. Natural selection draws these conclusions. To the question, who am I? The answer is this, you're a cosmic accident. You're random, just a blob of chance. You are nothing more than an evolved animal, right? And so here's another real great justification for horrific, immoral living. I'm an animal. I do whatever I want. If I want to do it, I do it. It's not disconnected from the abortion industry. It's absolutely tied together. You're nothing more than an evolved animal. You might as well act like one. Your life has no real meaning, direction, or purpose. There are no constraints on your life. That's the key. That's really the goal behind all of this. Remove the sovereign. Remove accountability. Become God. There's no right and wrong. Ethics are out the window. 
in natural selection, survival of the fit. There's, there's no ethics. What do you mean, right and wrong? Do whatever you want, you answer to no one. So authority and submission, right? Why would I submit to authority? This is all just a figment of the past. I'm free, I do whatever I want. The strong get ahead, the weak end up dead. That's survival of the fittest. So exert strength, push down, stomp on people as needed to advance your own satisfaction and success. What's amazing about natural selection and survival of the, of the fittest as a mindset is it is cold. It is heartless. But for the conscience of God that he's placed on all his human beings that he's made, that restrains people from their worst, this world embracing this belief would be brutal. We're going to get to that because expressions throughout history have shown this. The strong get ahead, the weak end up dead. There is nothing to anticipate beyond this, right here, right now. There is no hope. There is no hope. There's no glorious future. There's nothing really glorious at all, when you think about it. Hmm. This leads to depression. Now, there seems to be some struggle identifying why so much so many problems are happening in our schools. The answer is right in front of us. The answer is the indoctrination of evolutionary thought that has been so ingrained and owned that this is where the kids end up, okay? Depression. Charles Darwin himself was a man wrecked by depression, constantly, panic attacks and, and deep, deep depression. Self-harm and suicide. Do you understand if you have a worldview that says you're a cosmic accident, so you, have, you have no meaning, no purpose, there's no future, there's no hope? Suicide. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This is his goal. He wants you dead. He loves to kill. And so he whispers, you're nothing. You're worthless. You're meaningless. There's no point to your life. All of these are lies. Immoral and reckless living. Just throw off the constraints, satisfy your own appetite, live like an animal, and abort whatever surprises come along. Mass shootings. You want to know why they're increasing? Because, and I would say this with confidence, because the ownership of the teaching of evolution is at an all-time high. Fact, they say, it's fact. If you embrace that in its fullness, you have no regard for human life. There is no regard, no concern for treading down human life. Dignity, worth, value, out the window, gone. Mob violence, why not? Why not? Anarchy, what? doesn't matter. What's behind this often is crippling fear and hopelessness. Darwin lived here, especially his, late, his later years. This is where he lived, as he drank his own poison. Friends, parents, kids, 
Listen, don't buy it. It's hogwash. It's lies. It's garbage. It will have devastating consequences on you, on your children. Do what needs to be done to keep them from this kind of indoctrination and teaching. It is harming people around the world. Hitler's Holocaust traces back to Darwin. Did you know that? It's amazing to me how Hitler, documentedly speaking, was a strong believer in Darwin's teaching. Mein Kampf is basically the social and political build-out of evolutionistic thought. He justified the systematic killing of six million Jews and others deemed inferior, the weak, the disabled, the minorities, right? To purify the populace and really to speed along the evolution of a master race. This is Darwin taken in its full extreme. It led to the deadliest war in history, claiming 60 million lives. Satanic, that's what it is. It's just pure satanic build out here from Hitler. Maybe hitting a little more close to home. Margaret Sanger died in 1966. She's the founder of Planned Parenthood, the largest abortion provider in the world. We've got a clinic just down, down the road here. Margaret Sanger was a massive evolutionist. She embraced it and she took it to new levels. Um, she took eugenics, which is basically the, uh, the self-directed um, speeding up of human evolution, employing all of the different disciplines and, and then pushing it forward. She sought to, uh, to push down the weak and the disabled, anything that would be shown weak um, or, or worthless. And here's where she put it. It's blowing my mind that she's not been canceled as a racist. She was one of the most raging racist people our world has known. She said of minorities, they should be exterminated, right? So this is eugenics, this is Margaret Sanger, this is the whole point of Planned Parenthood in its founding and its origin. This has led to genocide, like crazy, racism, abortion, 63.5 million babies killed in the U.S., since 1973, praise God for the Supreme Court. Pray for states to have the courage to stand against this. She promoted sterilization and extermination of poor, disabled minorities and elderly. Did she esteem the sanctity of human life? No. Why? Why did she not? Evolution. Darwin. It's there. Hmm. Listen to Darwin in his own words near the end of his life. He says, up to the age of 30 or beyond, poetry of many kinds gave me great pleasure. And even as a schoolboy, I, I took intense delight in Shakespeare. Formerly, pictures gave me considerable and music a uh, great deal delight. But now, for many years, I cannot endure to read a line of poetry. I have tried to read Shakespeare and found it so intolerably dull that it nauseated me. I have almost lost any taste for pictures or music. I retain some taste for fine scenery, but it does not cause me the exquisite delight which it formerly did. What's happening here? 
This is a man who has spoon-fed himself his own poison. And these are consequences, cracks in the inside of this man that he, in his own words, is beginning to speak. This is the kind of stuff that's taking place on large scale in our towns, in our schools, all around the world. My mind, he says, seems to have become a kind of machine for grinding out general laws of large collections of facts. But why this should have caused the atrophy of that part of the brain alone on which the higher taste depends, I cannot conceive. The loss of these tastes is a loss of happiness. Let me say that again. The loss of these tastes is a loss of happiness. Why did he lose his happiness in the wonder of creation? Because it wasn't creation. It was just raw chance, nothingness, empty. Apart from the creator, where is the awe? Where do you speak the wonder and the song and the praise? There's nothing left. He said it may possibly be injurious to the intellect, more probably to the moral character. Oh, prophetic words from Darwin himself. Will it injure the moral character of a nation that teaches this as fact? Absolutely it will. It'll destroy that nation by enfeebling the emotional part of our nature. He's basically describing the end of his life as dull, filled with dread, he had panic attacks like crazy, fear, anxiety, and despair. Darwin's own words. Okay, we're all feeling pretty good at this point. Friends, ideas have consequences. Evolution, these things are, they are, they are poisoning our land. And they're touted as fact. Let's go to something more bright and life-giving. Let's consider David's, that's King David, his exaltation in Psalm 139. He wrote this psalm, listen to his words as he worships God. You, oh my God, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Listen to the intricate care and involvement of God. I praise you, he exclaims. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He's considering the complexities of the human body. How incredible a creation it is. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well, just as the kids sang. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. The days that God had ordained were already set, planned, in view, before you were even born. God wrote your story. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. What's he saying? He's so big. You're so glorious. How vast the sum of them. I can't, even, I can't even begin to conceive of how great you are, how small I am, but, but how much you love and how close you are, how involved you are. These are right, biblical, true things. Who am I? 
I am a masterpiece by the created by the creator's hand himself. He knit you, friend, together in your mother's womb. He didn't just spin it up and walk away. No, he does this every day. We have people in our church right now, ladies who are carrying babies, and just think right now, he's knitting. He's knitting. He's, he's putting the pieces together. He's growing, developing. That's our God. Why do I exist? For his glory. I exist to worship him, to glorify him, to, to be in awe of him. Then God said in Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. And just in case we, we haven't caught that, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And I, so I spent some time with this on the kids this week. It's just like, guys, you're made in the image of God. You're not an animal. You're a human being. Why do we say the sanctity of human life? It means holiness. It means set apart. No other creation carries the image of God. Not the angels. Not the monkeys. Only human beings. He made them male and female. So we spent some time with the kids this week. It's just like, listen, boys, God made you to be boys. Yes. And so I had them give a war cry, right? A couple of days. Roar! We give a war cry. It's not okay to call that toxic. That is the beautiful creation of God, splendor and powerful and strong masculinity to the glory of God. He did that and we should delight in it. Equally sharing his image, but distinctly so and different by design, God created the girls to be women. So I had the girls put a scream up a couple of days. Man, my ears are still ringing from that. <laughs> they screamed together, and they delighted in being girls. Praise God for femininity. His design is good and right and glorious. There's nothing else. There's no other options. God makes you a man or a woman. You are that as his creation to his glory forever. In the image of God, he created them male and female. God is the good creator of all things. You are God's masterpiece. You're made in his image. Answer the questions here, friends, over and over. Just think how full an answer the scriptures give us. Male and female share in God's image. All human life is sacred. The list goes on. Your life has dignity, value, meaning, and purpose. You have a reason to exist. And that is to find satisfaction in God, to delight in him, to stand in awe of him, to obey him, and worship him forever. God has revealed his will. He's not quiet. He didn't, he didn't hide. He wrote a book. He tells you how it all began. It's literally the first verse. It's not hard to find. God is the one who created all that is. His word is true and trustworthy. Now, there are people, I am told, who are seeking to try to push together evolution 
and Christianity. I call that appeasing the culture. Compromise, that's what that is, because your Bible just simply doesn't allow it. Christian evolutionists, that's an oxymoron. It just doesn't work. But let's just play a game. I would, never, I would die before I would do this, call Genesis 1 and 2 allegorical. But let's say, for example, that we didn't have Genesis 1 and 2. Listen to the shotgun blast. This isn't even all of them, but I'm going to just blast out verse after verse from all over the scriptures that show you exactly what Genesis 1 and 2 say. It's not allegory. This is fact, historical fact. Six days, God created all there is. John 1, 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Who's the Word? The Son, Jesus Christ. All things were made through the Son, through Jesus, and without him was not anything made that was made. John did that on purpose. You know that his gospel is arranged to echo Genesis. When he begins, he echoes Genesis. That's his whole point. John believed in Genesis as fact and history. So did the psalmist. Of old, you laid the foundation of the earth. The heavens are the work, they're the work of your hands. Jesus believed in Genesis. The Pharisees came up to test him and they asked, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He, there's Jesus, he said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning, which you gotta imagine there's a little bit of a smirk. Think of the irony of this. It was Jesus. He did it. Okay, so he said, have you not read that he, he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? He's quoting from Genesis here. And he said, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's the first marriage. Jesus believed that Genesis 1 and 2 was fact, actual history. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. The writer of Hebrews believed it as well. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, listen to this now, and through whom also he created the world. The consistency of God's word does not allow people to play games and say, well, I'm not gonna believe this chapter or I'm gonna throw this out, no. If you throw it out, you're calling Jesus a liar. You're calling Paul a liar. You're calling Peter a liar. You can't play games with the word of God. You take it or you leave it. Hmm. Listen to Paul in, in Acts 17. The God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. That's amazing. That's a display of his ongoing, sustaining work. And then he says this, and he made from one man, Adam, every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. He's talking about Genesis 1 and 2. Paul believed it. For by him, he says to the Colossians, for by Christ all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and, invi and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or, or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him, there's that word again, note that, through him 
and for him, for his glory. Why do I exist? I exist because I've been created by God. Specifically, I've been created by the Father through the Son, and I exist for God, for his glory. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Why don't we just float up out of our seats right now? Well, because Jesus is holding you in your seat. He is sustaining. He upholds the universe by the word of his power as he sits at the right hand of the Father. That's another verse I don't remember where. Yet for us there is one God. Listen to this. This is awesome. What a crazy awesome verse. Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. And then he says this, and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Trinitarian work of God in creation. The Father created through the Son and the Spirit was present as well, hovering and brooding over the waters. We are the creation of God, made for his pleasure and glory. Now the science in the Bible, sometimes people say, you know, Actually, on, on Facebook this week, you're not a scientist, buddy. You're not a, I'm a scientist, and I say evolution is fact. Well, is that how God decided to, to reveal to us our origins and, and where we came from, how we answer this question? Did he give it to people with degrees who can kind of be higher and lofty and I'm in the know, you little you know, morons out there, just trust me. Trust the science. That's not what God did. He wrote a book. He gave it to the whole world. Everyone has access to know how to answer these questions. Who has a, who has a Bible? The Bible is not a science book, but the science in the Bible is true and trustworthy. I would stake my life on it before I would believe 10 million lab jackets that said something contrary to that book. That's faith. Absolutely. It is faith. I don't have enough faith to be an evolutionist. That's outlandish. I'm not a monkey. I believe his word. But what about suffering and death, Pastor? What about suffering and death? In closing, I just want to draw our attention to this. This is reality. Both these men experienced this. Darwin lost his daughter. David lost his child too. After his sin with Bathsheba, God took the life of that baby. Both tasted of great pain and suffering and loss, but their responses could not be more different. Darwin turned in anger and unbelief and walked away, sought to replace God with ideas of his own making. David, after some calling to repentance, he ran to God in prayer, fasting, grief. And after the Lord took that baby, he went and he worshiped God and rested in his perfect wisdom. The God who is, He wrote songs of worship and praise after that. He did not walk away or run away from God in anger. He ran to him and found in God a God of glory. Why do we live in a a world where there's suffering and death and heartache? Well, 
Because just as sin came into the world through one man, who is that? Well, that's Adam. We're talking about Genesis 1, 2, 3. And death through sin, just as God said it would. The day you eat of that, you will die. They died spiritually instantly. They died physically after some time. And guess what? So death spread to all because all sinned. I told the kids this week, I got some bad news, guys. We're all sinners here. Every single one of us. All of us are sinners. And that means we're all dying. All of us face death. It's just and right because we are rebelling against God. We are rebels at heart. We have disobeyed God. We've dishonored his image. We've drug it through the mud. Here's the thing. We don't deserve his love. This is what we deserve. His wrath in the fires of hell. That's what awaits those who, who rebel against God and treat his name lightly. That's what we deserve. The fires of hell are filled with good people, quote unquote, who didn't turn from their sins to trust God. Hmm. That's the bad news. That's bad news for all of us here. If that was the only news, then we would be pitiable. But there's more. There's good news. And I told the kids, man, I'm telling you, this, this is good news. Listen, listen to the grace of God, even in suffering and heartache and pain and loss. Because of man's rebellion, God also subjected creation to futility. That's the mess of our world right now. Allowing adversity and suffering to serve as a constant reminder of man's sinful condition and need for salvation. It's like a megaphone that says, sin is a problem. Sin is devastating your life. Turn from your sins and come and find life and forgiveness. Both those men tasted of death, of loved ones. One turned and walked away, one turned and ran to God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God loved the world such that even when we were rebels and haters of God, he sent his son to live in obedience, something none of us ever did. And then he sent his son to die on the cross. Why did he have to die? Not because of his sin, because of my sin. Every single one of my sins he took upon himself and suffered and died. It's true for all who place their faith in Jesus. He paid for your sins. And he was buried, and after three days he rose. Well, death can't hold an innocent man. He paid in full for the sins of all who would look to him in faith. And he sits at the right hand of the Father, and the door is open today, and the call is come. Come, sinners, be healed. Come find mercy, grace, forgiveness in Christ. Come today. I just encourage you, as I encourage the kids this week, don't put off till tomorrow what he's stirring in your heart today. Come. Come embrace him as Savior and Lord and treasure and hope. This is what Darwin needed. Oh, if Darwin would have softened his heart to the call of Christ in his day, if God would have stirred him to run to the cross, he too would have experienced salvation, hope, something he desperately needed. 
the grace of God and the glories of life forevermore with him. It's not heaven that's awesome. It's God that's awesome. We get God. Wherever he is, that's where I want to be. He's the treasure. He is heaven. We get him. The creator. And man, just think, just think, when he remakes the new heavens and new earth, just imagine the worship service we're going to have as we join the angels, and Jesus is like, let there be, let there be, watch this, bam, bam, bam. You think that, that redwood was awesome? Watch this, whoa, you know, I mean, just imagine what it may be. Glory forever with our creator and our redeemer. Our response this morning, ask the questions, my friends. Ask the questions and then take them to God. Don't turn away from God. Don't let some cheap, fake substitute that calls you a monkey take the place of your glorious creator. He is the creator. Trust God's true and unchanging word and treasure God through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Oh Lord, what a contrast we see between Darwin and David. We thank you for the good news of the gospel that meets us here today, and I pray, Lord, if there would be any here in the hearing of this proclamation that would yet to be saved in Jesus, Lord, stir their heart even now. Open their eyes to see the glory of a, of a, of a Savior who loves them, who died to take their sin and pay it in full that they might be forgiven and set free to be yours forever so that they might not perish and experience the wrath of the Father. Oh, stir hearts even now, Lord, through your spirit, accomplish mighty supernatural wonders and bring life and salvation, we pray. We delight in you, our creator, our all-glorious God. Thank you for loving us, for knowing us, for, for knitting us together in our mother's womb. We worship you, we sing, and we have hope today because you are our creator and you have chosen in your lavish grace to set salvation upon us freely for your glory and for our joy. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.